You're tuned in to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast where compassion inspires action. Together, we're building a world centered in understanding, empathy, and courageous action. Now, let's welcome a man committed to fostering compassion in every corner of our city, the voice of compassion, your host, Will Rucker. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker, and I am thrilled that you have joined us for yet another episode of this, what do we call it, this ongoing conversation about compassion. Joining us today is someone that's very special, someone who is an inspiration to me personally and an inspiration to our movement. And that is none other than Scarlett Lewis. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Will. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just grateful you had a few moments that we could connect and talk about this Choose Love movement, which the name for me is exactly what the world needs to hear <laughs> and needs to do. Because uh, choosing love is the thing that not only will save us all, but will cause us all to thrive, at least in my opinion. I agree, Will. And, you know, the amazing thing is that our ability to choose from moment to moment how we thoughtfully respond in life is our superpower as human beings. We have this incredible thing called a prefrontal cortex, and it gives us the ability to pause, get curious, and consider our best response. And learning about the brain has been absolutely fascinating for me during this process of really healing for me, following a horrific personal tragedy, which stopped me in my tracks and made me literally do a 180 in my life and dedicate everything that I have to being part of the solution to w w what we're seeing today in our world. Well, I, I want to talk about that before we get to your story, just as a foundation for our podcast and for the conversation, I want to hear what compassion means to you. So how do you define compassion? Well, it's interesting. So we have a formula for being able to thoughtfully respond with love. And I will say that compassion is our fourth character value. We'll talk about the entire formula. Everyone will leave today having this as a skill and tool in their tool belt of life. But our fourth character value is compassion in action. And I we added the in action because that is such an important part of compassion. It's the opposite of anxiety, positive action. And so we wanted to highlight that in our character value. And literally compassion for me means identifying a need in yourself or someone else, and then actively doing something to help ease that need. That need could be suffering, that need could be really, uh, really anything, but uh, it is the it is the outward 
focus. It can be inward as well, but it's also being self-aware of how you're doing, but also socially aware and how other people around you are doing as well. Mm, that's so important. I, I think both aspects of that are, are very much needed. And I always mention that compassion is a skill. It's something that you can develop, you can get better at. Just like you learn to play the piano or the violin, you can learn compassion. So I love your framing of it. Uh, for those that don't recognize your name, I think they will absolutely recognize the starting point for this Choose Love movement, which was Sandy Hook. So please share just a little of your background and mm -hmm. really what brought you to this mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. My son, my six-year-old son, Jesse McCord Lewis, was one of the victims at Sandy Hook Elementary School, where he was gunned down in his first grade classroom alongside 19 of his classmates and six educators in what is still the worst mass shooting in an elementary school in American history. Obviously, uh, it's obvious to me at least, what happened that day was 100% preventable. The other obvious thing is that what we've been doing up to that point wasn't working. And so I decided to really go on a mission to find the solution and then spend the rest of my life making sure that our children had access to that solution. And I will tell you that choosing love wasn't necessarily my idea. <laughs> that idea actually came from a chalkboard message that Jesse had left shortly before he died that I found after the tragedy. And he had written three words in six-year-old vernacular and spelling because he was just learning how to write. But those three words were nurturing, healing, and love. When I saw those three words, I realized that there was a spiritual awareness that he had, most likely, that he wouldn't be around for very much longer. He wanted to leave a message of comfort for his family and friends, which it definitely was. But I also realized that that was the solution. That if the shooter, by the way, who was a former student of that elementary school, who had gone to first grade classes in those very classrooms, if he had been able to give and receive love, if he had been able to manage his pain, that tragedy never would have happened. And the solution was right there in six-year-old handwriting on our kitchen chalkboard. And I thought, wow, how simple. But of course, simple isn't always easy. And so I took literally that message and invited doctoral professors, neuroscientists, psychologists, psychiatrists, and even more importantly, educators and uh, social workers and counselors in and ask them, how do we get more of this nurturing, healing love in the classroom, in our homes and in our communities? And that's where the Choose Love movement was born. Scarlett, I... I I'm going to break for just a moment because 
you're such a great guest. Like talking with you and having this conversation, I mean, it's just perfect <laughs> just from a production standpoint um this is a heavy topic so um just taking a little you know breather for our audience and for ourselves um but you are so adept at telling this story and framing it in a way that is powerful and accessible i want to know how did how did you get there because i can only imagine the process you had to go through to even begin to speak of this. So how did you get to this point where you're able to share this information, tell the story and do it mm -hmm. frequently, um, but mm -hmm. with, again, with such clarity? That's a really great question. And I will tell you the process. It started out really on my mom's couch. Having another mom come visit who had lost a son to violence. I had never met anyone up to that point who had lost a child to violence. And I was riveted because at that point, I wasn't sure if I would survive. Mm. And that, I, I mean, simply because of the amount of pain that I was in. I literally thought I, I, I expected myself to dissolve. I remember looking at my hand going, well, I'm still together <laughs> right now. Um, but she came and she told me her story, but it wasn't the story that I wanted to have. Her future was not what I wanted. And really, it was a, a great service to me because I was able to say, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know I can survive this now. That's your story. And I think I realized in the moment that there wasn't a roadmap for where I was going to go, that I was going to have to create it, that I could choose what my future looked like. And I had a 12-year-old son at the time. I'm a single mom. He was looking to me. He was going to be modeling how he handled not only this terrible tragedy of losing his little brother, but all of the adversity and pain and roadblocks and difficulty that he faced for the rest of his life. And I realized he'd be watching every move that I made. And, it, and that awareness really helped me be the best version of myself through this. And, and I have to tell you, I, I didn't want to live a life of anger and hatred and resentment. And I saw people that were going down that path. I didn't want that for myself and I didn't want it for JT. At Jesse's funeral, I stood up and I spoke to the congregation and I said, this whole tragedy started with an angry thought in Adam Lanza's head. And I pictured Adam as a little boy. This is Adam Lanza's the shooter, a little boy without the skills, tools, or nurturing environment to manage that angry thought. That angry thought built upon itself, changed Adam's brain, and eventually resulted in the tragedy. And I told the congregation, the amazing thing to me is that thought could have been changed. So I asked everyone to start thinking about what they think about on a daily basis and to choose a loving thought over an angry thought every day. 
I said, by doing that, you're going to make yourself feel better. It's pretty simple. Loving, kind, compassionate thoughts feel good. Angry, hateful, resentful thoughts feel bad. And that one change in your thought process will ripple out and impact others and eventually the world. And so everyone went out to the four corners and I started getting emails, texts, calls about a week later saying that one simple act had completely changed their life. And I knew that I was onto something. I knew that that was a simple but powerful way that people could make change. And I also realized that I couldn't go back to the life that I had before. It had changed so dramatically. If you can imagine walking into a house that you shared with two young boys, uh, one of them, Jesse, just being so rambunctious and, and, and energetic and loud with stuff all over the place to, to just JT and I. And I realized if that's going to change, I'm changing everything about my life. I have to dedicate my life to keeping kids safe. They must be our priority. They are not, but I am going to work 24-7 until all of them are safe. And really, that's how the Choose Love movement got started. Wow. There's so much in that. And even you, you shared some powerful skills, which is just taking a moment to think about what you're thinking about. Um, I've been reading yeah. a book called The Fourth Turning. I just actually just finished it. So now I'm starting the, the sequel, which is like The Fourth Turning is here. But it talks about basically generations and how there are four archetypes that basically all fall into, um, one of which being uh, kind of a prophet. And I feel as though in many ways your son um, channeled that messaging to that chalkboard in a way to say, hey, this is this is what we need to be thinking about. And as we you know, are in the midst of a, a presidential election ramping up, you're hearing a lot of talk about, well, hey, what's important? Of course, the environment, we talk about the economy, but there are very few conversations that I'm privy to that talk about our children. And I believe mm -hmm. that starting with our kids is the solution to everything. Because Whitney Houston said it in The Greatest Love of All, I believe that children are our future. And I like to add on to that. They're not just our future. They're our present. They're here right now. And everything that we do that impacts them ultimately impacts us. So why not take care of them? Um, my question for you in this is, to me, Choose Love is a no-brainer. It should be across the nation, across the world. Are you getting any pushback on this idea? Is anyone saying, ah, I'm not so sure? Well, sometimes I joke and say the reason I called it Choose Love was so that nobody would ever look at me and say, Choose Love, that's a really stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, there isn't a lot of pushback. I think that we include a lot of essential life skills 
that maybe people don't necessarily have and so don't prioritize and value and so question whether they should be the one teaching them uh, like how to have healthy relationships, how to make responsible decisions, how to take responsibility for where you're going, how to focus your thoughts, uh, how to get in between what's happening and your response to choose a loving response. There are lots of different, actually, essential life skills that I didn't have as an adult. And so really what I did was do a lot of research, talk to a lot of experts, and I synthesized the best of the best of what we know our children need to flourish. And I put them in one program and I made it no cost because I believe that this would have saved not only Jesse's life, but it would have saved Adam's life as well. And it can reduce and prevent so much of the suffering, the root cause of not only violence, but a lot of substance abuse and mental illness as well. So it is a proactive preventative approach, whereas normally we react with the way our brains are wired. We focus on the problem and we've seen what we focus on grows. So whether it's gun ownership, whether it's uh, drugs, whether it's mental illness, all of these things, we're focusing on the problem while it's growing when we really should be putting some of our resources, time, energy, and money directed to the root cause because we can actually reduce and prevent the suffering before it starts. Or if it does start, we can give kids, and by the way, big kids, same skills and tools, <laughs> the resources they need to manage that pain before it takes them down and, and maybe those around them. Wow. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, I want to hear more about how you approach the subject of forgiveness. And you talk a lot about the shooter and you do that with such empathy. I want you to share with us how uh, you were able to gain that skill and why it's so important for all of us to work on forgiveness. We'll be right back with more from Scarlett Lewis. Ten years ago, the unthinkable happened. My son Jesse was murdered at Sandy Hook, but he left a message that pointed the way to a solution. It led me to create the Choose Love movement. More than three million people have engaged Choose Love since then to live happier, healthier, and safer lives but we are only getting started. In our most recent survey, 73% of educators reported students getting along better in their classrooms. 68% of educators reported increased job satisfaction as a result of teaching Choose Love. 84% of respondents reported an improvement in classroom climate. 81% of respondents reported an improvement in students' behavior. 78% of educators reported students showing more courage 
by trying newer difficult tasks, expressing themselves more, and being kinder. 81% of educators reported students showing more gratitude by expressing their appreciation, increased empathy, and kindness. 73% of educators reported students showing more forgiveness by expressing less aggression and more self and emotional control. 80% of educators reported an increase in compassion and action, including improved social skills, enhanced connections, and a greater sense of belonging. Since we started, our programs have reached millions of people in over 10,000 schools in 120 countries. We offer Choose Love for free because we know the world is a better place if every person, every school, every community chooses love. So much has been accomplished these past 10 years. But imagine if we could double the number of people who choose love next year. Imagine if we could have 25 million people involved in Choose Love by the year 2025. Choose Love gives kids and big kids the skills they need to learn from, grow through, and be strengthened by difficulty. We all want to love and be loved, and we also have experienced hurt. We can become stronger and even more capable of helping others when we choose love. Thank you for choosing love and being part of the solution. Choose love. This is Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker, and our guest this week is Scarlett Lewis, her story is so impactful, and she's been sharing some really good tips already. Before the break, we decided we wanted to move into the subject of forgiveness. So, Scarlett, how do we even begin to do this? I couldn't think of a harder thing to forgive or to move past than what you experienced. How are you able to even speak that individual's name with compassion and empathy, and how did you get there? That's a great question, Will. And I didn't react like most people did after the tragedy. I saw a lot of people blaming Adam Lanza and his mother. And they are responsible for the mistakes, the, the, the heinous mistakes that they both made. Adam in doing the actual shooting and his mom for giving him access to the guns. Absolutely. But I thought about it and I realized that if it was really all their fault, then it would never have happened before and it would never happen again. But we've had over 350 school shootings since Sandy Hook Elementary School. So whose fault is that? And I took a step back and I realized also that hurt people hurt people. And I realized that someone that could have done something so heinous must have been in a tremendous amount of pain. And while I was out speaking on behalf of Choose Love, I would literally have people that had gone to school with Adam they would approach me. There was one young man that was in a college course to become an educator. He literally stood up in the middle of my talk and he said, I went to school with Adam. He said, I watched him being bullied by everyone. And he said, I didn't do anything about it. 
but I want to now. And that's why I'm becoming an educator. How beautiful. But that just proves, I mean, he, he was in a tremendous amount of pain. And we could have addressed that pain and it would have prevented the tragedy. So really, compassion helped me get to forgiveness. I too was a single mom. I too had struggled like Nancy Lanza to get help for my boys. I too was met with resistance. And so I understood the journey that she went through and she was doing the best she could do with the skills and tools that she had with very little help. I felt compassion for them and that facilitated forgiveness almost right away. And I will tell you that forgiveness is the only way I know to cut the cord that attaches you to pain. Remember, I wanted to move forward having a life of joy and happiness. I wanted to model this for my son. Jesse's older brother was... 12 years old when Jesse died. And I wanted him to have a good life. But I realized the only way we could do that was through forgiving and making that choice. Now, I also learned about forgiveness because you make a choice to forgive, but it doesn't mean that you don't fall back into anger. So there would be the first Christmas without Jesse my first birthday, his first birthday, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, all of these things were very difficult. And I would feel anger, but I would take a step back, take a deep breath and forgive again and be able to move forward in my full power. Not, not that feeling anger is a bad thing. Anything that we feel is okay. But I didn't want to have prolonged anger. And I didn't want to drink the poison of revenge and hatred. And I could see myself going down that path. It was a deliberate choice that I made. And it was the most important choice in my healing that I could have done because I feel now after walk, walking this journey for 10 years that when anger is present, it, in, it inhibits healing. The anger is kind of a, a buffer to your personal healing. And if you can get beyond it, then you can find the compassion and you can really forgive and let it go. And then when you do that, it opens up a whole new world for you. There are lessons to be learned in what happened. You can actually see how you've grown and how your heart has grown even stronger and how you're more capable to face the next adversity that comes your way. That is what forgiveness gives you. Forgiveness is a gift for the person who forgives. And you know, people have, people are, people have been angry at me for forgiving or at the very least questioning, how can you forgive somebody that murdered your child? And what I know now, and all of the research 
the decades of research, by the way, behind the benefits of forgiveness, I realized that forgiveness is for me. It is almost a selfish thing that I did for myself so that I could move forward and be able to have the benefits from the tragedy. And that is actually called, there's a scientific term for it, and it's the foundation of the Choose Love movement and what we teach. It's called post-traumatic growth. We are actually designed as human beings to grow through difficulty. That's why it's there. Now, it's really hard when you're going through it. That's probably not the time to tell the person that, hey, this is a great opportunity for growth. You should be embracing this. You should be asking what the lessons are. But certainly we're all capable of doing that in the aftermath. And that turns us from victims into victors. And that's what I wanted to model for my son. Wow. Forgiveness is for you. Forgive again. All feelings are valid. And post-traumatic growth. I mean, so many pieces uh, for our audience. Feel free to tweet any of that out, or, or I guess we're Xing now and threading and all the, the things, but share those <laughs> wisdom nuggets. Share those with folks because that's so important. And as we learn to even disagree with each other or have conversations from differing perspectives, all of those tools are important and useful. So I want to ask, just kind of circling back, because you mentioned how you needed support as a single mom, how Adam's mom was doing the best she can with what she had. What as a mm -hmm. society, as a culture, as communities, should we be doing for not just our children, but single moms? Wow. Well, absolutely. There's a lot more that we can be doing. Having been a single mom for the past 23 years, maybe 20 to be exact. Um, but I, I think the one thing that I advocate for over anything else are the essential life skills that the Choose Love movement teaches. They are so incredibly important. And by the way, I was 44 years old when Jesse was murdered and I did not have these skills and tools. I did not know how to have healthy relationships. I did not know how to manage my feelings. I didn't know how to, for the most part, even, you know, take personal responsibility for what was going on in my life. I spent a lot of time blaming other people for where I was and focusing on the wrong things and, you know, leading myself down kind of a, a, a limiting path. I, I certainly wasn't the best version of myself and it wasn't comfortable. And I started practicing what the Choose Love movement teaches and it literally teaches you the skills and tools you need to flourish. So, and, and by the way, it's amazing. It's the same skills and tools we teach in school that we can teach and practice and reinforce in the home as well. And it helps with self-confidence, how we feel about our abilities. It helps with self-esteem, what we feel about ourselves. 
It helps us with self-worth, how we value ourselves, all of these things that can get pummeled every day. And when you have the ability to choose love for yourself and for others, it really opens up an entirely new world. And it did for me, and I know that it has for so many other people that have followed the Choose Love movement. I think, you know, I'm really focused on that. I know that there are other needs and and more basic than what I'm talking about, like food and shelter. Um, those are really incredibly important. In fact, somebody approached me and said, why aren't you making sure that every child has food? Don't they need food before they need love? And, you know, what we're finding out now is, uh, yes, for sure, but love is also very important. And I said, you know, that's important. There are people working on that, but I believe that my purpose in life, the mission that I've been given is to spread this ability to choose love as a thoughtful response in your life. And so that's what I need to focus on. And, you know, when I think about that, I think about Jesse's courage that day. Actually, both my boys are the most courageous people that I know. Uh, Jesse actually stood up to the shooter that had just murdered his principal and guidance counselor right outside his first grade classroom. He turned into Jesse's classroom, continued shooting, and then his gun ran out of bullets. And during the short delay, Jesse directed his friends to run, and he is credited with saving nine of their lives. Wow. Will, what an incredible inspiration for me to then find his message of nurturing, healing, love, and realize this is, or lack of love is the root cause of so much of the suffering that we have in our society today. And I can have the courage that Jesse showed, and hopefully no one that's listening will ever be in the same situation, but I'm talking about the courage, the capacity for courage that we all have to do the right thing, not just what's easy, to speak the truth, to step outside of our own busyness and distraction, even pain and suffering to help somebody else, to choose love as a thoughtful response, getting in between what's happening in our life and, uh, and how we respond and getting curious and really considering our response and how it will benefit not only us, but those around us. That all takes a tremendous amount of courage. Even getting out of bed for some of us and putting our best foot forward takes courage. And, you know, and I'll talk about JT too, who's now 23, but the incredible courage that he showed following his little brother's death and how he advocated at such a young age for school safety and went on the went in front of the media and gave interviews and started an organization called Newtown Helps Rwanda and raised money to help other people. I mean, both my boys are my inspiration. I only hope to live up to 
to uh, where they are, but also to be a role model for them in their life. And the other thing that I've learned, Will, is that, and we know that it's backed up by science, but that when you have the courage to step out of whatever's going on in your life to love and support and heal and offer compassion to somebody else, you get that back. So my service has been a huge source of personal healing for me as well. Every time I do something like this, Will, and I share my story, and I know that someone on the other end is going to hopefully be blessed by what they hear and be able to take some of this into their own lives and use it for healing, that's healing me. It is so incredibly important. And I'll just go, if you don't mind, I'll go through the formula really quickly for your audience. That sounds great. Okay. So (laughs) this is the formula that helps you thoughtfully respond with love in any situation, circumstance, or interaction you will ever face starts with courage. And think about Jesse and the capacity for courage that you actually have. You have Jesse's capacity for courage. He was six years old, but courage is like a muscle and we have to practice it. And so uh, it starts there. The courage literally to face whatever the challenges and difficulty are in your life. Because if you're not facing them, You might be resisting and avoiding them or even numbing yourself. But when we have the courage to face them, we can get curious and ask, what are the lessons in here for me? How is this going to strengthen me? And it literally redirects our attention away from the pain and fear to growth. And then the second character value is gratitude and There is always something to be grateful for. Uh, Even after losing Jesse, I had so much to be grateful for. The love of the world that was coming in, all these beautiful cards, mostly from kids, uh, so precious, making me feel so loved. And the interesting thing is, all the thoughts that go through our head during the day, um, you you can only focus on one thought at a time. So you can only focus on anger, resentment, frustration, or gratefulness. So it's a great way to shift the focus of your lens. And then we go into, and by the way, it also strengthens you. When you have a, 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 uh, a regular practice of forgiveness, it actually helps you become more resilient and you can face and move through the adversity that will come, as we yeah, all know, will. in your life. Yeah more quickly and with more grace. And then uh, you can uh, forgive and forgiveness is the third character value. And we talked about that. It takes a lot of courage to pause and to get curious about the point of pain that the other person has to consider that and to consider compassion in action, which is the last character value. But I will tell you this, I do a lot of work in prisons. We actually have a prison program as well. And I've spoken to school shooters. I've spoken to people that have committed the most heinous things that you can think of. And I've never met anyone who has perpetrated violence or hurt someone else in in any way that is not, on purpose, by the way, that has not, that is not coming from a point of pain themselves hurt people hurt people. 
And when you understand that, and instead of reacting to defend yourself, pause and think about their point of pain, that enables you to thoughtfully respond with compassion. And that leads us to our fourth character value um, by being compassionate. And by the way, when you do thoughtfully respond in compassion, you are in your full power. When you're reacting in anger, hatred, and revenge, you're giving away your power. And I might be some kind of control freak, but I always like to be, <laughs> I always like to be in control. And so it feels so much better, obviously, to thoughtfully respond with love than to react in anger, hatred, and revenge. And that goes all the way back to Jesse's funeral when I asked everybody to choose a loving thought over an angry thought. And our, we know that our thoughts directly impact how we feel, which then results in how we behave and how we show up in relationships. So we start with our thoughts and, uh, and we can choose love as a thoughtful response. Wow. So starting with courage, moving into gratitude, forgiveness and tying it together with compassion and action. I think that is, that to me is a winning formula for sure. Uh, you made me think about Maslow's hierarchy and, you know, the question about the food and all of that. One of the things I tend to do is flip that pyramid upside down and start with self-actualization, which is really what I'm hearing you speak about because uh, of course, love covers the full spectrum and, and all of these things are, you could put them in different layers, but if we really look at self-actualization, everything else takes care of itself because we're really functioning as we're supposed to, uh, to our potential and our potential mm -hmm. is love. And that's what I hear you asking people to do is to simply be really who they are, which is love. We, we come out in love and we're taught mm -hmm. all of these other things. So, Wow. How do people, get you know, it's so true. I was just going to add, Will, just really quickly. Um, my uh, going back to my couch moment, just really quickly. I realized, you know, after I'm sitting on the couch and I realized, my gosh, I've been through, or everybody's telling me this is the worst thing that a human being can go through. There's nothing left to fear. Mm. And so I dedicated my life to choosing love. But what I did was realize that every choice I had ever made, every relationship, every job I'd ever taken was out of fear. And I vowed to myself, I will never do that again. I am going to choose love in my thoughtful responses from now going forward. And it has, it led me to creating the choose love movement, but I try to live my life that way. It's not that I do not have fear, but it is that I recognize it and I move beyond it by making a choice for love. I am not controlled anymore. My decisions and choices are not controlled by fear. You know, fear divides us, fear weakens us, and love unites and strengthens us. And so it's really the most powerful choice that we can make that helps us become the best version of ourselves that we all have inside us. And it's really, uh, really has to do with taking responsibility for where you are now and where you're going in the future. It's not my fault that Sandy Hook happened. 
obviously, I sent my son to school that day and he was supposed to be there by law. But I took responsibility for my thoughtful response, how I responded to that adversity. And when I took responsibility for that, it enabled me to be part of the solution. And that was another really powerful choice that helped me get to this place, this level of healing, because of course healing continues. But um, I think that I've come a, a long way in 10 years and, and I really went through actually will a lot of my process to getting there in this podcast. Wow. So what I want to know is how do folks get in contact with the choose love movement? Cause I know they're listening. They're like, okay, I need to get this to my school. I need it for myself. How can they get access? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually one of the most important things for school safety. I know everyone is concerned about school safety and we've done a lot of hardening schools and uh, that's a reactive stance. That's, you know, usually a step behind, but in reality, programs like Choose Love address the grievance end of the pathway to violence. They can help manage the grievance before it escalates into an attack. And they can also reduce and prevent a grievance. It is such an important part, not only of a child's flourishing, but also of keeping them safe. And so I encourage everybody, please, go to the website, chooselovemovement.org. There is something there for everyone. There's a lot of stuff. So be patient while you're going through it. Parents, I wish that I knew what I know now. If I had known the power of this type of programming, I would have made sure that my school had it and not just had it, but embraced it and taught it every single day. I would have backed that up in my home with the calendars that we have and the activities. It would have helped me. I would have gotten our community involved. I mean, we, we're gonna need to do this because um, some people don't know that love is a choice because they've never had love. All they've ever known is anger, hatred, and revenge. And I know this because I talk to these people in prisons, but I will tell you this, that everyone has the capacity inside them. As you said, we're all born with love and that capacity. And then things happen and we don't have the skills and tools to manage the pain that we have. And then that grows. But if we can teach kids that pain has a purpose, it's going to happen, but there are skills and tools that can help you manage it and actually grow from it. Then you take the fear away from the pain. You teach kids to choose love for themselves and for other people. You give them that agency and that control and that superpower that we all have. That is a really great starting point for a wonderful life. Scarlett, thank you so much for joining us on Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Thank you for choosing love and being courageous enough to take this movement everywhere across our country. Just again, thank you for being you and uh, being an example for so many. This has been Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker. And as I always remind you, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop and what you do mm. matters. 
So live compassionately. And Scarlett, I'm going to add this on. Choose love. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Will. Take care.